Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Max Toll. On the show this week, we bring you all the highlights from the second week of the Rio Olympics, including New Zealand's highest ever medal tally and counting. While the world has its eyes on Brazil, New Zealand's favourite pastime has perhaps flown under the radar as the All Blacks are preparing to defend the Bledisloe Cup against Australia in Sydney. Also preparing for their own trans-Tasman battle is the Silver Ferns, and what a difference a year makes for the All Whites. New Zealand has recorded its biggest ever medal haul at an Olympics, and they're not done yet with more opportunities to come in the closing days. So far, New Zealand has won 15 medals, 4 golds, 8 silvers and 3 bronze. While it's not our biggest gold medal haul, it's more than the 13 from Seoul in 1988 and the 2012 London Olympics. New Zealand's 3 golds came from Mahi Drysdale in the men's single skulls rowing, kayaker Lisa Carrington in the women's K1-200, and Peter Burling and Blair Chuk in the men's 49er sailing. First was Drysdale, who had one of the most dramatic finishes of the Olympics, winning by millimetres against Croatia's Demir Martin. The win meant Drysdale defended his Olympic gold from London four years ago and also added to his bronze in Beijing in 2008. Following the race, Drysdale told RNZ sports editor Stephen Hewson the race didn't quite go as planned. Things were going really well at that point and um, you know, I, was, I was sort of extending my lead over the field and you know, that, that was really what I'd done in London and uh, I knew that, that I just had to try to make the gap as big as I could and um, that was all going to plan and then Demir had other, other ideas and yeah, he threw in a pretty amazing sprint. Because that's pretty much how you, you usually race, isn't it? Tactics-wise, it was all looking pretty standard. It was. Um, you know, it's something that the last few years Cynic has, has been able to hold me off for too long, um, which has meant it's come down to a sprint. So, you know, that was definitely the goal today, that I needed to get clear as, as, as early as possible and make the gap as big as I could. And, um, you know, it worked very well on Cynic, uh, but Demir, um, yeah, didn't, didn't quite uh, go for plan. Were you keeping your eye out for Cynic or both of them, or where did you think the threat was going to come from? Uh, I, I, I thought Cynic would be the biggest threat, um, but I knew Demir, I, we had to break him if, if we wanted to get rid of him because, uh, you know, I'd had a, two incredible races in Poland, um, you know, that came down to very similar margins and um, I knew that, that uh, he was a, a big threat to us. So, um, yeah, it was uh, when, when things, were, when I sort of got in front, it was all good. But, um, yeah, once he started coming, that was a pretty incredible sprint. And what was the feeling in your pit of your stomach as you went over the line? No idea. It was that tight, I had no idea. Um, you know, I looked around after the line, he looked around, we sort of looked at each other and he said, what happened? I said, I have no idea. Uh, I said, do you know the result? He goes, no, I don't know. And we had to wait. It seemed like, well, it seemed like about 20 minutes, but I think it was three or four. And um, yeah, it was a pretty excruciating wait. What was going through your mind, mind at that point? Yeah, I think we had enough time that I started to sort of go through the race. And, um, you know, to be honest, I was pretty happy. I, I knew that I'd, I'd, you know, raced well and, and that I'd put everything out there. And, um, you know, I, I knew that I'd be happy either way, but... 
uh, to, to have the gold that is just the icing on the cake. And, I mean, obviously a lot went on over the last 12 months, the whole Dick Tonk saga. I mean, it must be a, a huge relief, I suppose, to, to put it all to bed now. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I knew that the best chance of me winning gold here was to have Dick on my side. And, um, you know, that, that I guess, proved to be uh, the right way. Uh, unfortunately, even Zoe, you know, didn't have the result. And that was really hard earlier in the week, um, you know, to, to come and, and deal with that. Um, you know, obviously I was there for them, um, but I sort of, you know, had to console them and then sort of cut them loose and say, look, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, and yeah, certainly some of this medal is, uh, you know, is, is what they and, and Dick have done for me over the, the past few years. That was the New Zealand men's single skulls rower and Olympic champion Mahe Drysdale talking to RNZ sports editor Stephen Hewson in Rio. The next gold medal to go New Zealand's way came in the women's kayak sprints when Lisa Carrington retained her Olympic title in the K1 200-metre event. Carrington won by just four hundredths of a second, and then backed that up with a bronze medal in the women's K1 500. In doing so, Carrington became the first New Zealand woman to win two medals at an Olympics, and the third New Zealand woman to win three medals in total. Following her bronze medal race, Carrington told RNZ's Gail Woods that the final in the 500 was a lot closer than she expected. Obviously I didn't realise how tight it was, but um, it was really great to cross the line and kind of uh, be right amongst, you know, I guess uh, Danuta, the Hungarian girl, was out right in front. She's an incredible paddler. Um, so yeah, we were all fighting for second and third, so it was really cool. Having the gold already in the 200, did you feel more relaxed going into the 500, do you think? I mean, you had that in the bag. Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I think it's quite tough to do uh, the two events, um, to kind of get ready again, um, doing two days of racing and then continue on and do two more. Um, Energy-wise, you're not going in as fresh, but man, I, I knew that uh, coming into to the Olympics. Um, and it just shows how, for me, it is. It was tough. It was really tough. But you know, I couldn't have asked for um, a bit of a better Olympics. Your coach said before just going into the competition that you were a lot fitter and a lot stronger to compete in the 500. Is that how it felt? Yeah, absolutely. I think the class, you know, the level. Um, of racing is really high and so I think every four years um, you know at the Olympics it's so it's much different to any other world champ so you know you never know this first time racing the 500 at the Olympics and the, the you know the quality of the paddlers was incredible. At the halfway point you were trailing the field were you really confident that your sprint would bring you through? Yeah well I yeah like I obviously didn't realize where I was coming in the race and ultimately I was just trying to keep uh, keep in my lane, um, obviously, and just you know do the race that I knew I could do. Um, so I was able to do that, and um, yeah, I mean I do try come home with a really strong finish. So yeah, you've made it into the Olympic, the New Zealand Olympic history book. Did you know about yeah. those records, those possible records before the race? Uh, not at all. Um, we don't. I don't think many athletes do that for the records. We just do it to you know we. We do the things that we can and then the statistics come later. So you're the, the first woman to win mm. two medals in one Olympics. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels pretty incredible. Um, I, you know, I didn't really, like that's uh, for me, kind of uh, realising that is kind of makes me appreciate um, what I've achieved and um, yeah, I'm kind of be proud of what, what has unfolded in the last four days.
And you're also one of three women now to have won three gold medals for New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, I would never have believed that I could win one medal, let alone three. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm just getting greedier. <laughs> so what now, Lisa? Uh, now just uh, really absorb it, um, spend time with family, friends um, and the other Olympians and it's great, it'll be great to hear how they're going, you know, um, and just share the experience with them, so yeah. You're only 27, do you feel you've got a lot more racing in you? Yeah, I don't feel like, um, I feel like, I don't know, I'm 21 or, you know, but um, yeah, I think so. I feel like there's more growth and more that I can get from this. Olympic gold and bronze medalist Lisa Carrington talking to RNZ Gail Woods there. New Zealand's final gold of the week came in the sailing when the men's 49er crew, Peter Burling and Blair Tuke, went one better than at London 2012. The pair were guaranteed their gold heading into the medal race, but that didn't stop them from winning the final to cap off an impressive Olympic campaign. Following the win, the pair spoke to sports editor Stephen Hewson. Burling said it was great to improve on the result in London in such dominating fashion. Blair and myself have said a little bit of a celebration with our family a couple of nights ago uh, once we knew it was mathematically done. And, uh, but yesterday we definitely uh, decided that we wanted to go out and try and put our best foot forward to, to win that, that final race. And that's uh, something that, you know, it's been a long campaign and a long four years and a, a hell of a lot of hard work. But uh, to be able to go out with that kind of result and, you know, the feeling of coming across the finish line there in first and, you know, coming down to our coach afterwards who's put in just as much hard work as us is uh, something that. You know, it was, was pretty surreal, and uh, we're uh, incredibly proud of what we've achieved here. I suppose, Peter, it couldn't have unfolded much better for you at that race, really, could it? No, I think everything can always go better, but, you know, to, to be able to, you know, win that last race and lead the whole way around is something that, you know, was you know, incredibly special, and I think something that we'll always uh, always remember. And the chance to celebrate as the with the sailing fraternity, I mean, it's been a, a big, big game for the sailing team. Yeah, awesome day, uh, you know, Sammy winning... A bronze medal uh, a couple of days ago and then the girls two silvers now it's a uh, yeah really tight crew and um, just super proud of all of them not just the guys have won medals but everyone and uh, yeah we're just going to enjoy this together and uh, yeah just onwards and upwards for the team and just yeah super super proud of them. Uh, Peter to get one over the, the Aussies is always nice. <laughs> yeah well the Aussies are obviously the, the last ones to beat us in London and uh, it's something that we've been able to to get one over them quite a bit since then, but you know, it's always something that we thought they were our biggest competition going into this, and you know to get one get one back on them is uh, yeah, always good. And no no rest really, is it, for you guys? Straight into America's Cup, is it? Yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll definitely have to have a little bit of rest. You know, We've put a massive amount of hard work into this, and you know, definitely have to let the hair down a little bit for a few days, but no, we're actually uh, about eight days after we get home, we're, we're taking off to France for the next America's Cup event, so now we have to get the head back in the game for that, and... Uh, yeah, but I'm no, really looking forward to spending the summer at home and uh, having it a little bit, little bit easier than uh, this this year. And Blair, do you get a what other plans for celebrations? Yeah, well, we've got a lot of family and friends here, so uh, we're going to get together with the New Zealand sailing team at the house tonight and just yeah, just enjoy it. It's a special moment, and uh, from there we'll hopefully enjoy it with the rest of the wider New Zealand Olympic team tomorrow, and then um, yeah, head home and share the medal with the country, which is uh, you know when we had the silver, that was an amazing uh, experience and. To come back with the gold and uh, with all the sailing teams going to be a yeah, great, great experience and uh, just super proud. Olympic sailing champions Peter Burling and Blair Tuke there talking to Stephen Hewson. New Zealand sailing team has also won two silvers and a bronze, making it the country's most successful sport at the Games. Winning silver on Friday was the women's 470 crew of Joe Alley and Polly Powery to go with their gold medals in London. 
Stephen Hewson spoke to the pair and while LA says they couldn't go back to back, it has been a great Olympic campaign. This has been, it's been an epic week, you know, it's been a hard week. This for me feels like a gold medal. It's the effort we've put in and I think we, we came here with the goal of, you know, sailing some good races and sailing a good event and I feel we've done that completely. You know, London came away a bit disappointed with how we'd actually sailed and so, yeah, just really happy to come away with this. But Polly, the thing is, you won more races than anyone else. Yeah, yeah, we did. We had um, had a pretty good run, but um, obviously a bit inconsistent with it all. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, it was great to get a few wins there. Um, but uh, yeah, a few too many letters on the scorecard as well. The the couple of disqualifications, you, that that second one, you thought you might have had a, a good shot at the, the protest. Oh, the first one we had, we did have a go at and lost it again. But it was the second one we tried, but it's pretty hard to get these things overturned and. You know, I think it's sort of that thing with it can go either way. You know, a lot of these decisions are jury based, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that was just how it was. So, yeah, it was more more that we managed to fight back. I think is what we're trying to look at because you can't control all of it, eh? <laughs> Olympic silver medalists Joe Alley and Polly Powries talking to Stephen Hewson. The other silver medal in the sailing came from the women's 49er crew of Molly Meach and Alex Maloney. The duo were the final medal on the water for New Zealand and actually went into the final in fourth place. But they finished just a couple of seconds behind Brazil, who were awarded the gold. Sports editor Barry Guy caught up with Maloney and Meach, and Maloney says she thought they were in with a chance to win the gold right up until the finish. Yeah, it was a definitely a really tight race, and on that final beat, they kind of sent it out left, and we worked the right-hand side, and their side paid off a little bit more, and then we kept it close on the down one, and it was a really close finish. But I think we did all we could, so we're happy with how we sailed. So the, the tactics obviously have played a part because it was so close, four teams and with a chance for, of any medal. Uh, yes, so the top four teams actually sailed really consistently throughout this week and yeah, it was quite a surprise to come in on that last day and find that we were all pretty much tied going into the medal race. So I think we were both surprised, happy and yeah, a little bit shocked as well. But um, it was really cool to be in the mix and yeah, to come away with the silvers. Yeah. We're really happy. <laughs> and what does this mean for what you've put in, Alex, so far, and perhaps for the future? Yeah, I think for Molly and I, it's a really nice feeling that four years of really hard work has paid off. And, yeah, it's really nice. And the whole team being so successful makes it even that much more special. And, of course, a bit of, bit of uh, sibling rivalry. You've gone one better than your brother, <laughs> Sam. Yeah, really happy for Sam when he finished a couple of days before us. And I think just both of us having a medal, is, it's awesome to go home. So no bragging rights or anything? Not just yet. We'll maybe leave it a week or two. <laughs> a week or two. <laughs> As Molly Meach mentioned there, her brother Sam Meach won a bronze in the men's laser earlier in the week. You're listening to Extra Time. New Zealand shot putters Valerie Adams and Tom Walsh added to New Zealand's medal tally with a silver and bronze respectively. For Adams, she was the defending champion, but coming off the back of an injury-laden lead-up to the Olympics while Walsh was competing at his first games. Adams now has three Olympic medals to her name, two golds and a silver. She told Barry Guy the winner of the women's shot put, American Michelle Carter, was a deserving champion. You you cannot um, underestimate any competitor at any time. That medal uh, lineup all changed in the last round. And, um, damn, it was, it, was, it was a rush of adrenaline. Pretty much, you know, that I just grabbed the shot and I just went in and gave my best shot. And it wasn't enough to take the win, but um, it, was, it was an epic feeling. Very bizarre, 
but I try to handle it as best I could. Because that was the throw before your last throw. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you really didn't have a lot of time, I suppose, to think about no, it. Do you, no. do you think it, you know, it helped? Because it wasn't a bad uh, last throw by you. No, it, it wasn't, but it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't, but it wasn't enough. And that goes to show, you know, just how unpredictable sport can be. You know, it's just one of those things that you have to be prepared for as much as, as, as you can be. But And I've given it my all. It's the best throw I've done in two years' time, in, in, two, in the last two years. And it's... Uh, it's been an incredible journey. It's been crazy. So what you've gone through with all the surgeries in recent times, mm-hmm. I mean, are you you're satisfied with uh, you know how your Olympics went for you? I I am. I am at peace with it. I you know obviously the goal was to win. That's always our goal, and it, and it was to win. And um, we're so close yet so far. <laughs> it's. I'm a little bit disappointed. I, I am pleased. I. It's very bizarre how I feel, um, but one thing I do know is that I did leave my heart out there trying, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. And I am pretty happy with how I went today, performance-wise, because it's been one heck of a struggle, especially last year. Um, this time last year, I was at home getting knee operated on, recovering from all the other crap that I was going through. So Rio seemed so far away at that time, and a year later, I'm standing here with a medal around my neck, competing at my fourth Olympics. I cannot be too disappointed about that. Is the Olympics just something epic in some way? Because uh, what in ten days' time you go back to what some might say is your day job, and you're <laughs> back on the on the Diamond League again. You know, the the Olympics is always the Olympics are funny, but it is the pinnacle of our sporting career. This is what we train for. This is what we live for. This is us, and it's like I guess the All Blacks training for the World Cup. That is their pinnacle, and them wanting to win it. That's the ultimate goal, and this is us right here this is track and field is being an olympic champion is something incredible and something that you can only do every four years which makes it a lot more difficult to do um so yes in 10 days time i go back to my day job but i it's it's weird it's weird and uh, I know you're recently married, and obviously yeah. you want to have some some time. But I mean, the Gold Coast. I mean, that's close to home. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they don't, probably don't get to see you compete. You know, you thought of that? I, I have thought of that. Thought of that, and I would love to be at the Gold Coast. Um, I'm gonna, you know, regroup after the season and kind of think about what I would like to do. Um, one thing I think my body does need a little bit of a, a longer holiday this year. Maybe I'm not quite sure, but I would love to be at the Gold Coast. I, my ultimate goal is to retire at the Gold Coast. That's my ultimate goal. I would love to be there. It is a home games. So I want to get everybody there and just you know finish off there and and have a hip hip array. But um, we shall see. You know, Gold Coast is two years away, right? Olympic silver medalist Valerie Adams talking to Barry Guy. Well, there is a world outside the Olympics. The All Blacks begin their quest to regain the rugby championship title this weekend when they take on the Wallabies in the opening test in Sydney. Coach Steve Hansen has named his team for Saturday's match, which doubles as the Bledisloe Cup opener, with three main talking points emerging from the selections. Rugby reporter Joe Porter has more. Bowden Barrett has usurped Aaron Cruden as the All Blacks' starting first five, but calls for Adi Savir to take over from Sam Kane have been ignored. Hansen says Barrett's form has been so compelling he had to start. Barrett played a starring role as the Hurricanes won their maiden Super Rugby title, and Hansen says they want him on the field for as long as possible. 
we've gone for Barrett and over Crudes and both of them we think are in great form but you know, Barrett's just been so good that you, you want him on the park for 80 minutes not not 40 or 50 and uh, he's really forced a hand and you know said look you've just got to pick me for the 80 so that's what we've done. Kane has retained his place at open side with Barrett's Hurricanes teammate Savia to be used off the bench. Savia hasn't earned a starting berth despite his outstanding performances this season. Plenty of pundits have been calling for the informed flanker to start, but Hansen says he's happy with Kane in the number seven jersey, with Savia providing impact from the bench. Sammy and Artie, you know, Artie's been in outstanding form too, but so is Sam, and we just see them as a really good combination at this stage, uh, working the way they are. The selectors have also decided to take just two specialist locks into the match, with no second row reserves on the bench. Hansen says they've got it covered. We've taken the same attitude we took at the World Cup. We, we think we can cover lock uh, with either Rideau or Jerome going into scrum time and our line-out won't suffer too much when Liam comes on. He's a good line-out forward and as are Rideau and, and JK. Hooker Dane Coles has been ruled out due to injury with Nathan Harris to start. While wing Julian Savia has missed out, he takes his place on the bench. Waisaki Naholo and Ben Smith start on the wings with Israel Dagg starting at full-back. The Chiefs prop Kane Hames is in line to make his All Blacks debut after coming into the reserves in place of the injured Joe Moody. The All Blacks have held the Bledisloe Cup since 2003 but will be seeking to recapture the Rugby Championship title which they lost to Australia last year. For Extra Time, Joe Porter. Also starting this month is the International Netball Quad Series and new Silver Ferns coach Janine Southby has named her first team since taking over from Waimarama Taumonu. Central Pulse defender Katrina Grant has been named captain in place of the pregnant Casey Kopua for the series against South Africa, England and Australia, while mid-quarter Laura Langman is vice-captain. There are three debutantes, Southern Steel defender Storm Purvis and attackers Tapia Selby-Rickett and Maya Wilson. Veteran shooter Catherine Latu was hoping for a recall, but she has again been overlooked. RNZ sports reporter Matt Chatterton spoke to Southby about her selections for the series starting with why she chose Grant as captain. I think Katrina is a very uncompromising defender and we need that in a captain and she leads by example. She connects really well with the group and the feedback from within the group suggested that as well. Uh, I like the fact that she's pretty upfront and honest and that she is, um, she's also really down to earth. She's dealt with a lot in her life she's had some you know some wins and she's had setback and so she understands what it is and yeah I think the biggest thing is that she's just determined to get out there and be the best leader and is aware of the areas that she needs to grow and work on to, to do that. Um, could you also talk through I guess the decision to pick Maya over Catherine? Yeah look unfortunately Kat wasn't at the standards we uh, would like her to be at and so message to her is you know, go and do the work and come back through the New Zealand Day programme and door is certainly not closed. Uh, it's not closed on anyone actually, so, you know, we're certainly at the stage looking to give as many people as possible experience in an international um, programme and the New Zealand Day programme allows us to do that this year, which is fantastic. So, you know, I think obviously some disappointed girls out there and, you know, it's, it's never easy having to deliver those messages sport unfortunately. Yeah. I'm guessing Maya is a good example of you trying to I guess blood a few players in for the Commonwealth Games in 2018? Yeah look Maya, Maya's been pretty consistent over the ANZ and she was strong and consistent over trials. You know she's still got a lot to learn, there's a lot of work to do and she knows that so it's a great opportunity for her to learn and grow in this environment. Um, will Anna's experience I suppose be beneficial for you given that you've just lost Liana um, for the upcoming series? 
Yeah, look, Anna, um, she's another player that does bring experience in there. She also brings something different, and we like that. She's got great elevation, and she's got a handball a lot over season. And one of the things we know to win games, we need lots of ga- to win games. We need lots of games, and Anna's certainly been doing that consistently, and has done that consistently over the last couple of days. Um, also, just on Phoenix, what have you seen from her? I guess in the last few months that you thought she deserved a recall. Yeah, look, Phoenix has done some work behind the scenes, which was what it was asked of her last year, and when she didn't make the t- uh, squad initially. So I've been pleased to see that. Phoenix brings something different, and we need something different to keep changing it up against the attacking lineups we're coming to face. Over the last couple of days, she's got ball, and you know she's certainly got a lot of work to do, and this isn't, isn't where we see Phoenix finishing up, and, and we've had that conversation already. Janine Southby talking to Matt Chaston. The Netball Quad Series starts later this month. And finally, what a difference a year makes. After playing the least amount of international fixtures out of any footballing nation last year, the All-Whites now have two in October. Last month it was confirmed the All-Whites will play Mexico in Nashville during the international window, and now this week it's also been confirmed they'll play the US in Washington just three days later. After winning this year's OFC Nations Cup and qualifying for the Confederations Cup in Russia next year, the All-Whites were in need of some quality opposition in the lead-up to the tournament. Matt Chatterton spoke to coach Anthony Hudson about the importance of these matches. It's great. I mean, what what a difference, um, you know, things are now. I mean, just everything. This, you know, we got we got a health, real healthy squad now, you know, a strong squad with depth. Um, the staff are coming on. You know, the, the you know the games now are coming. We've got a full program. We've got two outstanding fixtures. You know, the players are you know really looking for you know buzzing uh, about the games. We've got confeds to look for. I mean, it's just, it really is night and day difference to where we were, you know, a year ago or even six months ago. So, um, <clears throat> things are, things are really moving forward. These games are, these games are what we need because this, these games now really challenge us. Um, we have to be really single minded in our, uh, preparation and, and, and from a, from a playing group, from a staff, everything. We, we've just got to be at our very best. And that's what we need. Uh, we need to be tested every single window. So this is great preparation. And then beyond that, we have our qualifiers and the confeds. And uh, we give ourselves a chance now for our for our qualifier. Yeah, I guess how important, I guess, is it for these games in the lead-up to confeds? Because obviously you do need quality opposition uh, before you head over to such a big tournament, don't you? Yeah, we do. We, we, we need that experience. We need to, we need to, to be really tested. Um, we need to be under pressure. Um, you know, fingers crossed. There's there's two big crowds. Here. I'm sure there will be certainly against the USA in, in RFK Stadium. I, you know, I used to go there eight nine years ago. I used to go there every Saturday, every other Saturday night to watch DC United play. And it's an old stadium. It's a big stadium, but when it's full, it's just rocking in there. So hopefully we get a good atmosphere and a, and a big crowd, and that's what we need to be in front of, and, and because that's what we're going to face next year in, in, in November. So. Um, yeah, you're dead right. We need to play against quality players, quality opposition, good managers, and uh, in front of big crowds. And, and and this is perfect for us. Are we likely to see Winston uh, lace up the boots in these games? Yeah, you know, the, like I said just previously on, a, on another call, we've we've you know everyone's available, subject to to any injuries that you know <clears throat> normally. Um, going into windows, I, I mean, I don't do it anymore. It's just a waste of time. But I'm normally crossing my fingers and toes and everything, you know, praying that no one gets injured. But 
um, yeah, everyone's available, you know, unless unless uh, something happens. In these games, what do you kind of hope to get out of them? Are you going to go with the same mentality you did over to PNG, where you went, you know, win at any cost, or is it more about just building that experience at this stage? We we we're going to go there and prepare our team. We want to be competitive. We you know, we have to remember there's. You know, if we look at our team, and we can't ignore this, but there's going to be three or four players in the team that have not played for us for for a year or, or more, and you know we've got three or four days on the training pitch to get them. You know, and, and even before that, before that year, they hadn't played for a year. You know, so so it's still very very new. We're going to need every single window now to get our team organised, um, get the cohesion you know strong in the team. Um, so, so they're not, we're not all just going to turn up and <clears throat> click our fingers and it's all going to start working and, and functioning properly. Um, but, but certainly we're going to go there and, and be as competitive as we can. With regard to the PNG one, listen, I've been here two years. I think all that was blown out of proportion. I've been here two years. I've, you know, I've had with the 23s in the first team, I've had 20 odd games and we've played a certain style of football. And then for one or two games in PNG, when the pitches were bad, we played another way. So I think, um, I think everyone, you know, associated with me or knows me knows that, um, you know, we did what we need to do in those two games and, and, and that would, that, that's that, you know, so, um, so, yeah, we just continue doing what we're doing. That was the Whites coach, Anthony Hudson, talking to sports reporter Matt Chatterton. That's extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter. Our handle is RNZ Sport or through our email, sport at radionz.co.nz. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.